Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. This is a place where we share how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 24, From Alcoholism to Intuitive Wellness. Samantha Peach, an intuitive wellness coach, is a recovering alcoholic. She helps women with spiritual wellness by empowering them to transform their lives by finding a spiritual foundation that lights up their life. Well-versed in spirituality, mental health, angelic and energy healing, self-love, and self-improvement, she hopes to spread a message that no matter what you're going through, you'll be able to get through and find the opportunity as a growing experience. She has been diagnosed with PTSD, bipolar, anxiety, and substance abuse disorder, but has found solace in traditional and alternative ways of healing. In today's episode, Samantha shares her story of overcoming her addiction and finding her purpose in spirituality and healing, and now uses her gifts to uplift others. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. And today I have a special guest. She's an intuitive wellness coach. Thank you so much for being here, Samantha. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) So I love your story. It's a powerful one. And I think that our listeners will very much relate to your story. So can you start to tell us how you became a wellness coach and what your love lesson is. And for those that are listening, a love lesson is essentially a painful situation in your life that became a catalyst for transformation and change in your own personal life. And in that movement of change, you decided to help others along the way. Yeah, so I guess the I've had so many throughout my life. It's hard to pinpoint it to just one. But one of the main ones is that... As a child, I always felt called to help people. I knew that was like my anchored place that I wanted to be in. And what developed over my years and everything like that is when I was a teenager, I started getting introduced to more alcoholism and uh, drinking more and doing more drugs. And I come from a long line of alcoholics on both sides. And I was always very adamant that that was never going to happen to me in my life because I thought that being good in school and sports would always save me, but it never did. And I had my first pregnancy loss at 16 years old. And what happened there was I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. I really didn't know what was going on. I felt a lot of trauma from the situation. I didn't feel a lot of support from my family at the time. And I just felt really alone. And so what I did was I turned more to drinking and doing drugs. And then that developed over the years. I still managed to go to graduate high school and go to college and that sort of thing. But Um, you know, drinking and doing drugs were always still very present in my life. And it 
definitely was something that I looked forward to on the weekends. And I did find like more new age and spirituality concepts around 19, but I was in this internal battle always between like, I want to be successful. And I didn't see a pathway for me to be successful in that when I was, you know, 19 years old. So then I, you know, still went to college and everything. And finally at like 24, I ended up suffering a second pregnancy loss. And that's when all the trauma and everything started resurfacing. And I was in another abusive relationship, toxic cycle. And it was just like, things just kept going in a hamster wheel for me. And what I did then was I turned to drinking and doing drugs, but in a much larger sense of what I did previously. And finally, like through that experience, I learned that I had to go through that in order to wake me up and to realize that the life that I was living was no longer of benefit to anyone. And I was not serving my highest and greatest good living that life anymore. And that really once I did that and I went to rehab, I remember telling myself, like, I will use my story to share with other people so they will know that they are not alone. And through that, like, this whole thing has transformed. And I started working with clients this past year in 2020 and um, really helping people get more in tune with a spiritual foundation and guiding them through that. So it's been really exciting. That's beautiful. And I'm so proud of you. It's difficult to break out of that cycle of addiction and to move in a different direction. So it's a really, you're really courageous and strong and it's amazing. And thank you. Yeah. And I, were you really sensitive as a child, like very intuitive and sensitive and empathic? Yes, I remember. I was like just talking to my grandmother the other day and she even said it to me again, you know, just with what's going on in in our country and everything and she's just like you've always been so sensitive. Like my family wouldn't want to tell me things like someone passed away or there was something tragic that happened because they knew that I would just internalize it so much. Mhm. Yeah, because I find that often when people are highly sensitive or they're empaths, a lot of times when they go through trauma, many turn to drugs and alcohol as a way to numb and not yeah. deal with the not be so not so they don't have to feel as much. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely resonates with me because it was so much easier to turn to that. And I really didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Did you have any family support during this time? Um, my family, it was really hard um, in the beginning, like when I was going through my teenage years, because my parents got divorced when I was like in eighth or second grade. And then they both got divorced again from their second marriages. And it was just like very chaotic at that time. But Finally, like once I got into my 20s, it got a lot better and uh, my relationships with them improved and they both became a lot more supportive than 
they were previously. So, and, you know, with my whole family, not all, all of the people in my family being addicts or alcoholics, but a lot of them, um, they understood what to do. Not everyone has like reached out for help in my family. A lot of people have died being an alcoholic and things like that. So they kind of knew what they needed to do in order to help support me and kind of live my life as well. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard being sensitive and being young, especially if your parents don't empathize or get it. Like I, I was highly sensitive growing up and my parents just, they just didn't get it. And I feel like my childhood became way more intense because I didn't feel like anyone really understood my sensitivity and was sensitive to my sensitivity. Yeah, that would be really hard. I could see like how that would, you know, play out. It's like you, you feel so much and you, you, people just look at you and they're like, well, why, why are you struggling so much with this? Mm -hmm. Like, this is just life. Like you need to accept life and learn how to live in it. Right. And I feel like there's so many highly sensitive empaths that are out there that are just lost and they feel like no one understands them. And a lot of them are depressed and anxious and feeling like, you know, essentially something's wrong with them. They're defective and they turn into these self-destructive behaviors to cope as a way to connect with other people. And I know alcohol is a big one of, of that. Alcohol is a really good way to cope with people. Not good in terms of like, it's good for you, but when you're awkward and sensitive and don't know how to be around people. I mean, I used to drink and it was like the only way I could really feel a little normal with people in social environments. Uh, That's like something, one of the reasons why I remember my mom always saying that my dad drank, he loved the effect that it gave him to be more outgoing. And I've been there too. And I think just because it's so widely accepted in our society as well, Mm -hmm. that it's like the easiest thing to turn to. Absolutely. And it's, and I think for empaths, it's like the opposite of what you need because when you drink, at least for me, I could just say this personally as an empath and highly sensitive person, like I get mm-hmm. awkward in group situations sometimes just because I feel like there's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to process it all. I'm just like, what's happening? And then I start drinking and then I feel more relaxed. But then I be then I become even more sensitive on a different level where I start feeling things. And I just realized that drinking just makes me go dark. Like I become really depressed like when the alcohol is out of my system, the next day I become really depressed and really anxious. So my emotions, like if I was a little bit depressed, the next day I'm like totally depressed. Like it just completely, it just made me so dark that I had to stop drinking because I was like, I couldn't deal with the emotional ups and downs of drinking alcohol. That statement totally resonates with me too. It's like, I didn't understand like why if I would be drinking, I, I end up in a psych ward. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing. You just get so dark. It like amplifies that, that depression. And I remember I used to like drink to cope with my anxiety. I told myself that for so long 
And what I like didn't realize for the longest time is it like made my anxiety so much worse, like hundreds times worse. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you start understanding spirituality, alcohol is called spirits. And when you start to think about it, because you become energetically vulnerable when you drink, especially like if you get to the point of drunkenness and blacking out or spirits, like dark energies are more attracted to you. So then you're so like drugs and alcohol invites this type of energy to you and then it amplifies whatever you're going through. So for me, when I stopped drinking, I can't even like I can't even go to bars now. Like if I go to bars, I feel like all I feel is dark energy and I feel like people start to look weird and I'm just I just get freaked out and go home. <laughs> that is so true. I like remember my friends. I feel like I don't know, it's very out there, but like I my friends used to say like my eyes would get so glazed over that I'd become this different person when I would like black out. And it's right. like, you, I just don't even know. And I've definitely been able to like, when I've been blacked out, I've like, someone's told me a story and I could like see it from an out of body perspective. So I'm right. like, you know, you just don't know what can, what is happening there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff. That's like exorcist kind of level that freaks me out to no end. So I'm just like, I can't even go there because it's me too. like I'm just like, I don't even want to experience that. But I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. Like I've gone to parties where people are, especially cocaine, I call it the demon drug, because every time mm -hmm. I see someone on coke, it's like their whole face is morphed into something else. And it used to freak me out. I used to look at people and I'm like, I met you yesterday and now today you look like a completely, this is especially in college, right? Because in college you see your people, you see your friends during the day and the night they're yeah. all coked out and I'm just like, what happened <laughs> to you? Like, that's so freaky. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, and it's interesting because I feel like highly sensitive people that are in touch with the spirit realm anyway, right? A lot of people that see angels and they see ancestors and they're open to that energy can see good and bad and then alcohol and drugs amplifies the dark energies. Yeah, it's so true. It's like, I know that's what I've had to deal with something like going into sleep paralysis and like something detaching from me and stuff too mm -hmm. in sobriety and when i talk to like one of my spiritual like mentors about it she's like no that's like you're finally able to release that mm -hmm. now and i remember that like experience because i'm the same way i don't like the exorcism i don't like watching those movies or anything like that like i can't watch paranormal activity and so when that happened, like, I just had to keep saying, like, I'm a child of God, like, all that stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it finally, like, ended, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm a believer that sleep paralysis is, like, some sense of paranormal activity. Yeah, it's, it's definitely out there. And I think, you know, for many people, they don't really believe in that. Like, a lot of people don't believe in it. But until it happens to you personally, then it becomes, like, a different experience because yeah. <laughs> totally. I think you know watching it on TV watching in movies you're kind of like okay whatever but then when it physically happens it's it's just such a wild experience that you never forget because you're kind of like okay 
there's a lot of things in the world that we just don't see and don't understand and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not true it's just our consciousness can't always process everything that's happening around us so totally I live in the I don't know space anything is possible yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> You just never know. Um, well, I'm excited that you are on this spiritual journey and that you're helping people um, with their wellness. And do you often you specialize with addiction and sobriety? I've been working mostly with people just with mental health issues okay. and like relationship issues, like boundaries and things like that that they need to learn. Um, but I use my sessions to work a lot with the angelic realm, too. Ah, that's your space, the angelic realm. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Do you have Doreen Virtue? Um, this is totally side topic. Do you have her angel cards? I do. I don't have... Her. I have one of hers with Doreen and Radley Valentine. Okay. Um, yeah, but my mom has this one deck that I love. Now I get Radley Valentine stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Like Doreen Virtue doesn't do angelic stuff anymore, but she has an old mm -hmm. deck. I think it's one of her, new, her older ones. It's like out of print. You can only buy it used at this point. Um, yeah. And I love those cards. Yeah. I wonder which one they are because I have one deck by her that's like my favorite and it's my mom's. And I've been thinking about like going on like Amazon or like yeah. trying to find it somewhere. I, I got it on Amazon used. It's like... I forget the color, but it's like a golden and blue box as like 44 okay. cards. And it's called, um, I think it's just called angel cards. It's like one of, I think it's one of her first decks that she published from May house, from Hay house. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll um, check it out. Yeah. Her cards are sweet, but the angel, the angelic realm is a beautiful, beautiful space to work in. And so when you work with clients, are you calling in your angels, their angels, both? Like, how do you work in the angelic realm? I call upon the archangels and then I call upon their guardian angels, my guardian angels, any like um, ascended masters that would come up. And then also like their ancestors too, nice. if okay. they want to come forward. Yeah. So all the beings of light that are that are interested in assisting the client. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay. So you are using so much of the love from the other realm. So one of my infinite love questions is how do you use love in your work? I use love because I just have I just have always been a believer that we're in this place of either in in fear or in love like love is aligned with our higher self fear is that place of like that egoic mind so i always just um you know i want people to be able to see that they can get through any experience in their life and they can be able to grow through that experience and that's really where my my whole passion around my work comes from is being able to show other people that, you know, just because we're here on life, we have these experiences that we have to go through that we really can grow as individuals. And it really helps us to grow spiritually as well. And we're able to use that 
and give back and share with other people our stories of how we got through that. And I feel like that's just like a whole cycle of love, you know? And so, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole premise of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, and I also feel like the work that you do is also helping people in a way to show them that they're not alone. Cause I feel like when you're in mental illness or addiction or any kind of emotional pain, often we feel like we're by ourselves. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't have the luxury or the miraculous relationships of friends and family that are supportive. There are people that are actually physically alone. They don't have people that they can count on. And I think it's important for your type of work to show people that there's love and support around us, even if we don't physically see them. Yeah, that's been a huge, I think, lesson for a lot of people that have mental health and that have um, addiction this past year, too, was, you know, because meetings are closed and that sort of thing. And so just being able to recognize that there is support, like exactly like you said, even though we can't physically be in person with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. And how is your work used to serve humanity? I think that it's really helping people to get back in touch with the, you know, with the world and everything. We get so out of touch with like a spiritual foundation and we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think that showing people that, we may be labeled something in society, but it's an opportunity. Like my favorite quote is where there is a wound, there is a light shining through. So it's like the opportunity for us to take a look at that and grow as people um, and help us to see where we can best be the best version of ourselves. Um, And I think that just the more people start to learn that they, um, I think the more people start to learn that they're, they have a spiritual foundation to fall back on, the more that love spreads within this world and the more that we all heal collectively. Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what does it mean to you personally to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Uh, To me personally, I've just always been like very optimistic no matter what. And I just have always believed that there is good in the world. There is positive. Um, There is the light. Yes, there's the dark, but there's the light as well. And it's part of life. It balances it all out. And I've always just wanted to spread that light. Even when I've had a hard time, like going through addiction, like I still wanted to show up and be there. And I think just being able to contribute to healing because with the way that our society has gone, it's it's sad a lot of the times and I think there's people out there that really need to know that they're it's going to be okay and I think just contributing to that has been one of my driving forces beautiful 
Yeah, and I also feel like when we go through so much pain when we're younger and we go through these traumatic, painful experiences, if we don't turn them, at least I believe if we don't turn them into something positive, then it just kind of eats us away. Like it eats you. And I think turning into turning it into something positive and then helping others helps you heal. Like I know when I help other people heal, it helps me heal. And it's like, it almost feels selfish to help someone else because you're like, I'm helping you, but I'm also helping me. Like we're helping each other. So it's not just about, um, it's about healing everyone that's involved. So, yeah. That's so true. I know. It's like when you're selfless in that respect, it's like you, you still get something back out of it. And Mm -hmm. I think just like being vulnerable and being able to like share that with another person and you see that they've like been there too, that both like creates this like sense of like, I see you, I hear you. And then you work together and you like build that community and you're like, both like realizing that there's so much more in the world, you know? Right. Yeah. And I also think it's important for people to feel like somebody's positive. Cause I know I growing up, my whole family was very, very negative. Like, you know, if you wanted to say something, you wanted to do something, the first thing was always something negative. And that also contributes to your overall mental wellness. If you always hear, no, that's bad, you know, always these negative things. And it's so great when you meet someone that's positive. I mean, that's why you're a coach, right? Like people wouldn't go to you if you were always talking about things negatively. It's like, yeah, it's like part of the package. Yeah. (laughs) Positive. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you love most about your life? The most, I don't know, this past year, just getting in tune with what my purpose is again, getting back in touch with that. And really, it's like my spiritual foundation like drives so much of me. Um, I love connecting with the angels. I love doing like yoga, meditation and like really getting into that Um, because when I rely on that, it it helps balance me in such a positive way. Cause like I've been where it's like, so like an emotional roller coaster and it's like chaotic, but like when I take my time in the morning to just like center myself and get like rooted down in that spiritual practice that works for me, it just, my life is just like so balanced and I'm able to live my day like so beautifully, even when things come up or, you know, as life happens, I'm still able to like walk through it with grace and ease. Yeah. Doesn't that make such a big difference? It's like, it's so simple. And, you know, and I tell people, you know, just meditate for even two, three minutes and do some, a little bit of breath work, do a little bit of journaling, even if it's just like 10 minutes, but that self-care is so important because especially when you're working intuitively, you kind of have to carve out some self-care practices to maintain your sense of self. Yeah, it's like so true. I know like one of my spiritual mentors, she always used to say like, well, how long, like, how long do I have to meditate? And then she would always say, you, the angels don't care how long you meditate. Like you could be meditating for like two minutes 
and you'll feel the effects. And I think that's like, we think that we have to spend like hours upon hours doing all this stuff. But yeah, you're right. Just like spending like five minutes if you don't have time and then just letting it build or even on days where you have too much to do, if you just spend like that five minutes and get centered, you'll be good. Yeah, I really, I, when people tell me they don't have time, I'm like, you have a minute. You have one minute. You can yeah. carve out one minute, put a timer, one minute, breathe for, for one minute. And I think it's just making that decision to incorporate, incorporate practices in your life. It's, it could be small. Like I think a minute, two minutes, you can create that. And if you want to, I think it's really ultimately a choice of how you want to feel and creating that practice of connecting to a higher source is so powerful. Yeah. So what, um, or what, how should say, how do you feel you receive love? I receive love from like supportive people around me. You know, when I got sober, I've actually, like, I felt like before I had minimal friends that were there for me through thick and thin. And then now like being able to like build a community of people that I can rely on has been really helpful for me. And I receive love in that way. And anytime I can like help someone and see like the light coming in their eye, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like, that's like a whole nother aspect of it. Yeah. Isn't that so rewarding? Oh Yeah. When people get the aha moments, you're like, yes, you got it. I know. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So when do you feel the most love? The most love? I think that... I don't know. This year, I know it's been like such a crazy year, but I felt like some of the most love because I took this year as like a hibernation period to really to really do some last, I'm sorry, do some last minute healing. And, um, that just helped me so much as a person. And I think just like when I focused on taking so much better care of myself, just on a mind, body, spirit aspect, it like helped me to feel love in other ways in my life too, because I felt more balanced. And then I opened the door for new opportunities to come into my life. Nice. Yeah. And where has love created a miracle in your life? So many. I think the biggest one is just getting sober. Cause you know, like I would wake up in the morning and not know why I was like still alive. Like I just couldn't do it anymore. And I think just like, knowing that my higher source like had a purpose for me and keeping going it just helped it really helped um me move forward and getting sober and growing through every experience and pain and trauma that I've had to let go of and really embrace and look at that side of myself it's it's been a miracle just all in itself to be able to do all that and not repeat a constant cycle of alcoholism in my family. 
yeah, you are healing your bloodline. Because by you breaking that cycle of alcoholism, it's also trickling down to your family members as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and your future generations. Yeah, the healer in the family always seems to break the break the pattern with the families before and after. So it's always a powerful position to be the one in your family that is the one that gets that karmic destiny, so to speak. That's so cool. I love when you say it like that, too. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that a lot of people that, I mean, how old are you? What year were you born? Uh, 1991. 91. So I was born in 81, so we're like 10 years apart. And oh, nice. <laughs> so there, I feel like in certain generations of families that there's always like a person in the family that's the highly sensitive one, that's the healer, that's the one that all the family members come to when they have problems it's like the person that kind of is like the heart of the family and that person if they choose to becomes a healer of some sort and kind of heals their bloodline so they shift whatever's happening in their family because of their presence because of their love sometimes it's conscious sometimes it's unconscious but that's the person that goes through a lot emotionally because they're carrying their their karma of their family so it's um it's a big role and and for those that choose to step into it it's can be miraculous for your whole entire family so wow that's like yeah i love that i love learning about like healing ancestral trauma i need to like get more into like learning more about it yeah there's a um there's a book by my teacher's teacher his name's george hunter and he wrote a book called um healing your ancestral bloodlines and you can get it on amazon oh i'm gonna check it out yeah yeah yeah. so he does a lot of workshops on that whole concept of healing the bloodline mm -hmm. okay yeah. cool. well how do people work with you how do people find you like how do you work with clients yeah, I am doing Zoom right now, mostly. One, I do one-on-one -on -one sessions, and that could be found on my website at samanthapeach.co. And then also I have a little micro course that I've built that's called the Self-Love System, and it's pretty affordable. And it basically is like just teaching you how to let go of fears, insecurities, feel worthy in your skin and find a spiritual practice that resonates mostly with you so you can light up your life. Nice. And do you have any freebies on your website? Yes, I do. I have one on um, strengthening spirituality. So it talks about like what you can really do to strengthen your spirituality this year. And that is on my website as well. Nice. Well, I will put all that information in the show notes and hope, so people can find you. Are you also on Instagram and social media? Yes. My handle is Samantha R. Peach. Nice. Okay, cool. I got to follow you on Instagram. And I'll follow you too. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here, Samantha. You're so sweet and I love your energy and I'm so happy that you are in the world doing intuitive healings and helping people push past their emotional pain. Thank you so much. It's been an awesome time here. I love your energy as well. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, sending you lots of love. Bye. Okay, bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.